is the text from today's day, uh, today's devotional in the 30 day of prayer guide. And um, so, um, not to spoil anything if you have not made it there yet, um, we have uh, a number of the prayer guides left. And um, I know, like, it's, you know, we only have, you know, 10 more days or so in the month. But um, if you would like one of those, there will be at the table tonight. And I would definitely uh, love to have everybody on the planet involved with it. But uh, obviously, I don't think everybody on the planet will, but maybe you will. And so a um, couple of days left. It's just a quick devotional and some, some specific things to pray for each day pertaining to the life of this church. And uh, so you can pick those up. But today, um, we're, we, read a, we read the parable of the sower. And um, you may or may not be familiar with this. Um, Jesus often taught in parables, uh, in in story form, and sometimes he explained what they, what the it's like. Some of them were allegorical, where everything like was symbolic of something, and other times they were not. Sometimes he explained them, and sometimes he just t- told a story and walked away. You know, uh, he had very interesting methods, and um, this is one of the times where we get to see uh, both the parable and the explanation. Uh, for what's going on, and um, I'm not necessarily going to camp out in the same thing that the devotional does for today. I kind of look at it from a different angle, but let's read the story together, um, starting in verse 1 of chapter 13. It says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he scattered the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up, and some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Another seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. All right. Now, probably um, the people who were listening, you know, Jesus has kind of floated out on this boat, kind of made his own uh, little stage there, little pulpit floating out there, and everybody's on the beach and um, probably a lot of them could could relate to the story that he was talking about. This was an area where a lot of them were farmers. Um, they were not uh, necessarily the most, like, uh, educated. They probably weren't literate. And so um, a lot of what happens in this region is that they kind of get overlooked by the religious types, you know. And so you have these rabbis who are, who are studying the you know the Old Testament on these scrolls and all this, having all this stuff in the, in the cities, but outside the cities where the where the farmers were and stuff like that, they couldn't necessarily read. And really, the people in the city they didn't really care about that. And so, a lot of times when Jesus is out and he's and he's teaching and he starts using things from nature and things like this that are kind of they can, he's connecting to kind of you know where they are in life and using things that they can understand. And so all the things that he described were, like, 
you know, for those of us who are not necessarily farmers, we might think, oh, that's a story he like made up or whatever. But probably these were all things that they had experienced. Um, they did not, they didn't plant crops the way that we might plant them here, you know, where um, you you prepare the land to receive all of the, the seeds and everything so that, you know, your crops are good. They did a lot of just scattering. And um, they would either do it by hand. Sometimes there would, they would uh, have like the sacks of grain hanging over like the like a horse or a donkey or something like that and they would just like literally just poke a hole in it and just walk around and as it just trickled out they would just kind of you know whatever that's how the seed got out there you know and so these were some of their methods and they had probably all experienced the birds coming in and swooping down and taking some of the seeds away um times when they're like yes our crops are growing and next thing you know they're just withered and dead because the sun uh, has been there, or uh, some of the thorns and stuff like that that are out in the in the dirt that you don't necessarily see grow up and they choke stuff or whatever. And they've also just had crops that worked really well. And so this story in and of itself is probably when they were like, okay, and and uh, when Jesus explains it in a few verses, it, we don't really know if he was explaining it to the crowd. It it reads like he's explaining it to his disciples. Um, you see in verse ten. Uh, it says the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak in parables? So the disciples come to him, and they're like, why do you do this? And so he kind of goes in this explanation about uh, basically saying, like, everybody out there is not, is not ready to hear um, the, you know, the, the things that I have to say and the message about the kingdom and stuff like that. Everybody is not, not ready for it. And so what parables do is they, they, kind, of, uh, they kind of build some anticipation. You know, it's, it's, he's kind of laying the foundation to be able to come back, you know, and teach some other things later on. So he kind of goes through that and kind of answers them. And then in verse 18, it says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. And based on what you can tell here in the text, it looks like he's just explaining to his disciples, like, okay, I told this parable, all right? Let me tell you, like, what it means, what it's symbolizing and stuff like that, just so you guys can know. Um, Kind of a common thing where, like, if you were a, a disciple, you kind of got, like, the inside track on some stuff. And so, so Jesus goes and he explains his, you know, why he told that parable. Listen to what it means. Verse 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. Since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. And the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of, of, his, of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on the good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So in his explanation, he kind of assigns some value to the different things in the story. Um, you know, the, the seed that's talked about is the, is the message of the kingdom. And a couple months ago, we did we took like a month and we talked about what is the kingdom of God, like what is what is that all about? And uh, if you look at what Jesus went around and and proclaimed, it was the kingdom is available 
to you. The kingdom of God is, is available to every single one of you now. Um, a new way of thinking, a new way of, of, of living. It's the, the always present, um, the, the always present governance of God, the provision of God. The, just, there's this whole new life that is available to you now. When he says the kingdom is near, um, that's, that's really what he's, what he's walking around telling people. Which is interesting, it's so different from what I think a lot of people think the message of the church, like their primary message to the world is, you know, uh, so different than what Jesus said. And, and so that's what the seeds are. It's, it's the, the truth of the availability of the kingdom of God to everybody that he's talking to. Um, the soil is, is evidently the, the heart. In the hearts of the people who are, are receiving the message. And the, and the key, uh, according to like the goal, if you look at verse 23, um, the good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. You hear the message about the kingdom and, and you understand it. And not meaning like comprehension necessarily, but the, the word for understand, um, it's, it's basically like... Um, the best way that I read to explain it is it's like the the joining together of various parts to create something that's whole, um, like the pieces of a puzzle, okay? It's the, the coming together of all the pieces of a puzzle. Like that's, the, that's what this word for understanding means, you know? Um, and I, I think we've probably all had those those times where it's like, you know, maybe it's in school or maybe it's just whatever. Or maybe it's, you know, the, the, the things of God where you don't really understand. It looks like all this stuff. And all of a sudden, it's like everything just begins to just fit together. And you're like, ah, okay. That's the kind of, of understanding that produces, you know, the, the good stuff. Um, and so in the, um, in the prayer guide for today, we, we're looking at it through the angle of um, expanding our definition of what ministry is and what evangelism is. Um, if, if Jesus is talking about these, these different kinds of soil, it's talking about, you know, the condition of the soil or the, or the heart determined the fate of the seed that was planted there and, and how, you know, we tend to think that evangelism is like, we have to go out and we have to share the, the gospel and share the, the, you know, the, however many spiritual laws there are, you know, on the track, is it four? Am I? Four, three? Somebody yell it. Four. <laughs> Good yell. All right, I think there are four. Uh, that we have to have this gospel presentation, and you, and you have to, you know, have like two chairs, you know, and you're separated from God. and all, You know, we have to go like, like that, that is what evangelism is. It's walking up to people in the mall and being like, do you know if you died today where you would go and spend eternity? Um, and you know what? And that is, that, like, that's a part of it. It is. Like, Going there, as uncomfortable as it makes some people, going there, that's a, that's a part of what God has called us to, is to bring the, the truth of this message of like, you know what, the life that you are living, you don't have to live that way. There's another life available to you. It is life in the kingdom of, of God. Um, but the thing is, when, when you look at it, everybody's heart is not that like completely like foreign object free terrain where that gospel seed is going to land and just flourish and everything's going to be fine, you know? There are people all around us who don't know Jesus, 
and the seeds that are tossed their way just like ricochet off, you know, because their hearts are hard, you know, or maybe they're different. They're like rocks, like it's talking about here. There are thorns, you know, or there's just not a lot of root, you know, there's other issues. And so expanding our definition of evangelism to include um, the fact that like every little thing that you do in the life of someone who does not know Jesus yet is, is a way of, of clearing out different parts of their heart, you know. That if one of your coworkers absolutely hates Christians because they've got like all these bad experiences, then maybe a good experience working with you and interacting with you helps clear out some of the rocks that are there, you know. Maybe the the emotional wounds people carry around, maybe just by you befriending them, reaching out to them, praying for them, loving them, showing them Christ, that that's that's a way of getting weeds out of there and, and basically just like clearing out all this stuff that doesn't belong. And maybe, maybe it's just one thing. Maybe it's one nice thing that you do, you know. Maybe you stop and you, you know, someone's battery is dead and you uh, have jumper cables and you take care of them. Maybe that one thing is like one more deal out. Maybe you never see the person again, you know. So if, if all of us as the church are, are out there and the relationships God brings our way, we take seriously enough to get into their lives and, and to be like, God, why do you have me here? And God's like, you know what, I just have you here to basically just be kind to them because they don't have a lot of kindness in their life. Awesome, I can do that. And God uses you to get some of those rocks out, you know. And so expanding our understanding of what evangelism and ministry is all about to realize that that sometimes we're planting the seed and sometimes we're preparing the soil of people's hearts. When we look at it that way... um, to go back to what we did last Sunday night, we were over there when we wrote down prayers uh, on the on the blocks of wood for di- the different kinds of people that represented in those pictures. Um, that's a part of us taking that call seriously, you know. And it means that we we have to look at our coworkers differently, and college students, you have to look at the people you're in class with and the people that you get like put in those annoying small group projects with you know just the worst things ever you have to look at those differently you know as opportunities that that you have and so god sends us out and if 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 you we take this you know further that we're sent out to somehow be a part of cultivating these seeds of truth that are out there and so we have to take seriously the fact that that's the life that God has laid out before us. What a great, what a privilege, you know, to be used by God to clear out the soil in people's hearts or to plant seeds or to be there to help them take root and grow. I mean, what a, I mean, they're, what an honor, you know. But I, I want us also to look at this parable and to to look and to find ourselves in it as well. And so while the 30 days of prayer is, is about um, others, I want us to look at it for just a few minutes about ourselves as individuals and not to feed that, you know, that self-centered, self-whatever, you know, tendency we all kind of lean toward. But I believe God has something to show us about not only ministry but also about human nature and about um, – 
how to avoid some things that are going to be problems. Because we we have like things just like in this parable that that are a threat to to us, you know, that are a hindrance to us. And so if we, if we look at it again, look at look at verse uh, nineteen. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. All right? You hear it, but there's no understanding. All right? You hear it, so it's like, here's all these puzzle pieces. All right? And they're just kind of floating in the air. And you're like, all right, this makes no sense to me at all. And it, and it takes a little bit of, of time to kind of like, like make sense of what's going on, and so maybe maybe like, like you feel God stirring you up about something, you know. Maybe God's stirring you up about, about your family or about just relationships that you have, or or a sin area or something, or or maybe you know like um, like the more we talk about missions, maybe maybe something like that. And so so maybe just fill in the blank about what it might be. But you know, at first it's kind of like okay, I don't really know what God's doing. But I kind of I know he's doing something, and I don't know. And so it's like the, the pieces haven't necessarily fit together yet. And of, so, of course, the enemy just wants to come in and just, you know, mess it all up. And that's one reason why year, years ago at, at the ring, when we, when we sat down to, to really figure out, all right, how do we want to put a worship service together? Like, because I... I've, I've never believed, like, that the, like the sermon is, like you know, the main thing, you know, that it's like the apex of what happens. Um, I think it's just a, a part of, of the journey of the whole night. And so what, we, what we've always tried to do is try to put songs together that, you know, that fit like a theme of, of the night, you know. And, and so there's, the, there's a flow and there's a, you know, some, some sort of cohesion between everything. One of the things that we decided was, you know, it's, it's so aggravating when, when you go somewhere and there there is like a like a, a like the sermon is stirring for you and you have like you know two verses of a song to kind of process it and then there's like announcements and then you go home you know it's so hard like just just being like with these like stupid minds that we have because like and I remember like growing up as a morning church kid uh I mean, I was hungry by the time that invitation hit, you know. And so we started putting the worship service together. We were like, all right, let's 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 put the the message like more like in the middle, maybe. So there's some time afterwards where you can just sit there and you can just pray and you can be like, all right, what is this corporate message that just went out? Like, how does that kind of fit into why I'm here tonight? That kind of stuff. And so when people ask, like, how come y'all do an invitation? Um, I don't really think that they're necessarily biblical, um, first of all, and I don't, we're just not going to, like, manipulate you into, like, you know, whatever. Um, but the reason we do it, why we do it, is because sometimes in that song or two, or just in that quiet, you know, acoustic guitar time or whatever, is when some of those pieces begin to come together sometimes. And we at least want to give, uh, like, enough cushion time, you know, to be able to process some of that stuff so that when we're stacking chairs and all this kind of stuff, all your puzzle pieces don't just get snagged away. I'm not saying that Satan, you know, the demons are waiting to take the thing. No. But, I mean, really. 
We've all been there where it's like, yeah, God really stirred me up tonight. Oh, wait, how many, how many stack them? How many, how many high? We're going to Chili's or Cane's or Jason's or I need to go home and study, but I'm not going to, you know. And it's just like, up, 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 up. you're all over the place. We've all been there. I understand. And so when God begins to stir us up, we, we have to, like, take seriously the fact that, like, man, he's, he's really planting some things in me. And to pursue those things and to pursue understanding of those things and the coming together of some of that stuff. But most importantly, to be aware of, of the fact that the enemy would love to just take that stuff and distract you and, and for it to not even be a factor. The scriptures say, above all else, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. And so we have to all be on the same page about the fact that um, when those seeds go out there and they're still on the surface, that's basically what it's saying. When it falls on the path, there's a, a surface that it's hit. And it's still there, and it hasn't gone deeper yet, and it hasn't had time to take root. And there are birds that are circling, you know what I'm saying? And so that guarding that and protecting that, you know, and asking God, man, bump that stuff off. Bump it into the, the good dirt, you know. And we'll talk about that in a minute. The next, Look at the next thing, verse uh, 20. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. All right? Ever been there? You know, you leave leave community group, you leave some Bible study you're a part of, you leave like your time with God, you leave a worship service or camp or a conference or whatever, and you are just like, you're flying, man. Like it is, nothing is, your life is never going to be the same, you know. What God has been dealing with, it's never going to be a problem again. And there's so much joy and enthusiasm there, and it's great. But then, you know, then you get like a text message or a voicemail that kind of brings you like back down to reality, you know. You have a fight with your roommate, somebody in your family, blah, blah, blah. All kinds of trouble and problems and just normal life stuff. You ever get frustrated at yourself that like the things that happen in life can just knock you down so quickly, you know, and you're just like, well, I guess that must have all been fake, you know. I guess God really didn't really do something awesome in me, you know, whatever. A couple of times this month we've we've prayed about the role that our emotions play in our faith, you know, and, and not getting, like, bullied around by the fact that sometimes we just don't feel it, you know. You have bad days and just a series of things, and you're just like, man, forget the Bible and Jesus and community group and my forget all that stuff man but see that's described here it's like at there's a little bit of soil and so everything takes root and it shoots up but beneath that little layer of soil there's just rocks you know in the one of the towns we go to in mexico la madrid um behind the church there's like just this big like area you know maybe the size of this gym and uh we're like oh this would be a great place for them to do like there's kids everywhere so they do like some you know soccer games all this kind of stuff we're trying to get people to the church facility and so 
We had the genius idea that that we we're going to go out there. We we're going to clear out this whole lot because it's just covered in rocks. I mean, everywhere. Like, and kids are out there and they were playing soccer and I mean, they're all bloodied up, you know, and just bruises and concussions and it was horrible. And but like they just didn't care. And there's rocks everywhere. So we we're like, all right, the whole week our team we're gonna we're gonna clear this joker out. It's gonna be awesome. So this team spends every day picking up rocks, picking up rocks. Let's start with the big rocks. There's Big Rock Day. Picked up big rocks, lined them all about on the, the, the back fence. Made a cross and a ichthus on the side of the thing and painted them colors. And I mean, like, what, what, what can we do with all these big rocks? And so, uh, and so then it moved to like medium rock day, you know, and then then you know smaller ones. And by the last day, they had the springs of a of a mattress. The dudes are sitting on dragging it like it's a baseball field, you know, just smoothing this sucker out, man. And and I was like back and forth around all these different teams, and I get out there, and it's like it looks phenomenal, like it's it's everything I had pictured, and we're just like so proud, you know. You're like, yes, making a difference. And I go to bring the trash out to the the trash hole because they like they 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 burn it back in the corner of the thing. And they've been burning it in the corner of the lot for years, and so it's just kind of like just burned like a deeper and deeper and deeper hole. I went to take the trash back there, and I threw it in, and I noticed that when the, the trash hole that's maybe five or six feet deep, that you can see what is below layer after layer after layer after layer of rocks. Sure enough, the first time it rained, all the little soil that we had, like, smoothed out, whatever, all that happened is rocks came to the surface. And now you know what? There's rocks everywhere still. That's one of the frustrating things, you know, about about life, it seems like, like when you look at this parable like this, is that things shoot up and we're full of joy and we're all enthusiastic and it's like, sure enough, something happens. I mean, the sun comes out and scorches it and all of a sudden it's gone. And some of you may feel like that rock bed out at La Madrid where you're like, man, it doesn't matter. I'd pull rocks out and there's just more underneath it. Nothing takes root in my life, you know. No, no experience with God ever is sustained, you know. It just doesn't have that lasting effect. Never, never, never. I'm involved in the church because I like it, because I know I'm supposed to be, and I'm, but I've pretty much lost hope that, that any of those things are ever going to take root because they're just rock after rock after rock. Maybe that's where you find yourself in this. Look at verse 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is a man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Worries of the world. Am I here a worrier? Yeah. I like the, the deceitfulness of wealth. Anybody, anybody ever been there where it's like you hear the, like you know the truth, but you just can't stop worrying about your life enough to trust the Lord? Doesn't matter how much stuff is on that cross back there and how many reasons other people have, you, and doesn't matter how many reasons you have, when it comes to how like that affects your life today, it just gets choked out because you're a worrier. It gets choked out because. 
of the the sin issues that you battle with, you know, the insecurities that you have. There's all these things that grow up. And the thing is, in the parable, like these are the thorns that come up and they choke it. And when I was studying about through the the passage, it talks about how a lot of times, like, like they would they would burn their fields, you know, they try to cut everything back before they would plant. But how thorns were growing beneath the surface because it wouldn't kill the roots, and so they wouldn't know they were there when they threw the seeds out there. You ever like been cutting your yard or whatever, and you're like, that group of thorns or that group of weeds or whatever is going to die today. And you just you get the weed eater. I've done it. I've I've gone crazy like digging my way like to China with the weed eater to try to get things out, covered in dirt, just mad because the same stuff keeps coming back. My dog hides around the corner, you know, doesn't understand. It doesn't matter how much you attack that stuff from the top. If you're not pulling the roots out, you know, it's just going to come back. And so those thorns that were growing were things that people didn't realize were there. You ever been in a situation where you didn't, you didn't realize that something was an issue for you until all of a sudden you're like, oh, my goodness, you know? You ever have issues with a person and you don't realize it until all of a sudden, like, you've just completely slammed them in front of people, you know, behind their back, and you're just like, whoa. You ever think of your, yourself as the kind of person that, I don't see race, I don't see color, I don't see gender, I don't see any of that kind of, I see people as people, man, people are people. Then you go to Walmart, and you get angry, and you realize, you know what, maybe I don't see people as people. Maybe I do see people by their skin color, maybe I do see people by the, the issues that they face instead of seeing them as people that God loves. You ever think, I'm not judgmental. And something happens and you realize that you are. It's those things that grow up and, and, they, and they choke the things that God's done. They lie beneath the surface. They creep up. And then it ends with the good soil. Someone who hears and understands and all the puzzle pieces come together and there is fruit that is there. It is it goes far beyond what was sown into it. And so I look at that, you know, and I can find myself, um, like, honestly, I, I can find myself in all four of the examples that were given. There are times when there is fruit in, in my life. And I don't think that makes me, like, arrogant to say that. It just it, it attributes it to, like, God's done things where there's been fruit. There have been times when those things that lie beneath the surface have gotten me. There have been times when my emotions flee, come and go and they're pushed around by the fact that life sometimes is hard. And there have been times where the devil has just come in and because I was not responsible with the, with what God did, completely just like messed everything up. So I look at, the, at that and I'm like, you know, I, I want to be the last kind all the time. You know, every single time. Like that's what, that's what I want to be. And I think every single one of us who are in Christ who we really are in our new identity, we are obedient, passionate lovers of God. Like, that's, that's who we really are. And so we have to begin to recognize that there are some things in our lives that, 
like that don't belong, you know, that our hearts are like this beautiful soil where God's word grows and like all this kind of stuff happens. We have to begin to recognize that there are some things in our lives that do not belong. There are some foreign objects that find their way in somehow. And so we're probably like, okay, well, so what do, you, what do you do about this? Turn to the book of Philippians as we close. Chapter 4. I'm going to let Scripture answer the question. But you probably knew the answer before... Uh, probably know the answer already. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, the, the guarding and the protection of our hearts and our minds falls on God's job description. The peace of God, which goes beyond and is higher and whatever, than our understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How, how beautiful is that? And we don't have to sit here and figure out, how do I fight off the devil? How do I get these rocks and all this kind of stuff out, these foreign objects that don't belong, that are polluting like my, my heart and my mind? How do I do that? It's not your job. Our hearts are his, right? It's a part of what he did on the cross, right? It's not our responsibility to guard them. It is our responsibility to take serious enough the condition of our hearts and the things that we face and those things that don't belong, to take them seriously enough to bring our requests to God. And everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. See, it's a, it brings it back around to like the... There's the there's like two sides of the coin, you know. There's there's God does everything, and then the other side of the same coin is our obedience. See, the, the two work in tandem together somehow. It's mysterious. It makes no sense. Don't even try to understand it. But by us being serious about those things and coming to the Lord, and say, all right, I know that this is an issue. I need your help. He says, awesome, let my peace guard your heart and your mind. Problem is, we don't often enough bring those things to him. A lot of times we don't take seriously enough the fact that those foreign things are are killing us. We kind of get used to the rocks and the weeds and all that kind of other stuff. And we settle. You get kind of used to there being some rocks and some weeds. Like, yeah, that's right. I'm rough around the edges. Okay. God wants you to be holy. (laughs) So, 
Congratulations, you know. We talked about a couple weeks ago, preparing our minds for action. God says, be holy because I'm holy. Basically, he says, imitate me. What did Jesus do? Jesus brought all these things to the Father. He brought every one of these struggles to the Father. And so if you are just, you know, in a place where you're like, you know what, I'm just, I'm not real sure what to do. Maybe you're not bad, maybe, but you're not great. You're just kind of, eh. As the guardian of our hearts and our minds, he wants us to come to him and ask. Let's pray.